Hey guys, Reed Goosens here. Now before we dive into today's show, I quickly want to tell you about some exciting things happening in 2018. Now in a few months time, I will be launching my brand spanking new book appropriately titled Investing in the US, The Ultimate Guide to US Real Estate. And it is all the best bits from this show transformed into a book. Now, as you are all loyal listeners on this show, we are doing a pre-launch book giveaway. So what you have to do in order to participate in this pre-launch book giveaway is just shoot me an email. It's pretty simple. At info, that's I-N-F-O at readgoosens.com. And in the subject line, you can put the words Kraken book. And in return, I will shoot you back a link where you can go and pre-order your copy of my new book. Now, remember, in that link, there will be an area where you can put the code Kraken, C-R-A-C-K-I-N, and that will enable you to get a discount. I want to thank you all for tuning in. The reason why I do this show is because of my loyal listeners, and this is a way of me giving back to you guys by helping you. You can pre-order the book and get it for free before we launch in a couple of months' time. All right, now back into the show. The main thing is to get into good habits. You get the habits, as we talked about, positive compounding. Have set up an automatic investment account. Certainly, if you have a 401k or something at work, invest in that to the max if you're getting matched. One of my basic principles of personal finance, I hope you would agree with Reed, is never refuse free money if it's given to you. But I mean, only about 70% of the people offered 401ks with matches take them up on it. 30% are losing free money because they said they can't afford to invest. I say you can't afford to give up the free money, right? Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S. podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the U.S., how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. (laughs) 
Today in the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jordan Goodman. Jordan, America's Money Answer Man, is a nationally recognized expert on personal finance. He has spent 40 years focused on one mission, and that mission is to help Americans do better with their money and their personal finances. For 18 years, Jordan was on the editorial staff of Money Magazine, where he served as the Wall Street correspondent. He's a regular guest on numerous radio and television shows across the country, answering questions on personal financial wealth and freedom topics, including investing topics right here in the United States. And he appears frequently on CNN, CNBC, and CBS Evening News to share his advice for a better financial future. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show, but enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Jordan. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Great to be with you, Reid. Appreciate it. Hey, man. My pleasure. Look, Let's rewind the clock back. I always ask my guests to start the show, rewind the clock all the way back. Tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. So at age nine, I was a a newspaper delivery boy. Right. But I didn't just do that. I hung around the newsroom and I saw um, that they had, they always would print extra newspapers. This was in Hyannis in Cape Cod, uh, Massachusetts. And they'd print a whole bunch of extra newspapers. And I asked the pressman, you know, what do you do? They said, we just throw them out, you know, just as extra printers. So I said, well, do you mind if I take them? He said, no, great. You know, we don't need them. Go for it. So uh, we were right near the docks where the boats, the ferries would go over to Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. They still do today. So in my bike, I would pick up the newspapers, go down to the docks and sell them to people on the ferries going over to Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket. The first time through, nobody would buy it. And then they're sitting around with nothing to do for five minutes. They say, well, I'll get one. So by the time the boat had left, whatever, two-thirds of the people had newspapers, and I had a zero cost of goods, and I'd make like $100 a boat, something like that, <laughs> at, at age 12 by the time I figured that out. Uh, so I've always been kind of an entrepreneur and a journalist, and I hung around the newsroom. My first column I wrote was about youth baseball on Cape Cod so at age 12, and by 15, I was – anyway, that was the, the first dollars I had as I saw an opportunity – uh, to make money, zero cost of goods. I was providing something people wanted and everybody was happy. That's that's incredible. I, I love asking that question because it always just cracks open the conversation in terms of you know how you think as a kid, You know, identifying an opportunity and going off and, and taking it with both hands and make, giving it a good crack. But Jordan, you know, walk us through your journey. You know, you are an expert in personal financial wealth and gaining freedom through investing in real estate and other other resources. And we'll get into that in a minute. But walk me through the story of who Jordan Goodman is and, and what makes you tick. So from that early age, I started doing journalistic things. By age 15, I was doing the, the daily newspaper, the weekly newspaper, and the radio station, Hyannis, all at the same time. Wow. I couldn't even drive yet. But, uh, you know, I, I did it. by 16, when I could drive, I was... You know, so by the time I got to college, I'd had this huge portfolio of journalistic things. I went to Amherst College in Massachusetts, uh, did journalistic things there. I spent my junior year in London at the London School of Economics and did journalistic things there at the Associated Press. Uh, And then after Amherst, I went to Associated Press in D.C. I went to uh, Columbia School of Journalism, got my master's there. Uh, And then soon after that, went to Money Magazine and... uh, Learned a lot about personal finance in school, but you really learned it on the job and covered really every aspect of uh, personal finance for a long time at Money. Started doing books early on. My first book in 1983 uh, was called The Dictionary of Finance and Investment Terms. It's now in its ninth edition. It sold about three and a half million copies worldwide. Uh, did a handbook of finance 
uh, did one called Fast Profits and Hard Times. My latest one's called Master Your Debt. I've done 13 books totally. As you say, I'm on these radio shows. Call. I just finished one half an hour ago in Denver for an hour. Um, and I'm on two TV shows today. So uh, I just love doing this and giving as much helpful resources as I possibly can. Because people don't learn the stuff read in school. Right. Well, you have, you know, you learn about Greek philosophy and Etruscan pottery and, you know, poetry, all kinds of wonderful stuff. But how do I do with my 401k or how do I get a good mortgage or something? This is a total mystery to most people. So that's right. what I love to help. Right. Well, and before we get into all that fantastic stuff, I just want to say kudos to you for creating such an awesome brand around yourself and through, you know, published content and, and getting that educational piece out. Because a lot of people, as you said, don't learn it that way. And it takes people like yourself listening to these podcasts, listening to other shows to have to learn about other ways of investing their money. Because as you said, the education system doesn't teach us, hey, let's go and save a dollar and, and, and invest in something for the future. It um, teaches people to be employees, right. not entrepreneurs, really. Right. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And and look, we're living in, in an age where entrepreneur is the new black, right? Like everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. It's like the, 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 the candlestick maker, the bread maker, everyone under the sun has their over little niche right now. And it's it's yeah. an interesting time. And, and I actually would love your thoughts on becoming an entrepreneur and, and your journey to creating this this sort of ecosystem of, of information, how that has propelled you as, as a brand, you know, into where you are today. So I had to come up with a business model that made, made sense. I was at Money for almost 20 years. And when I left Money, I had a lot of things going for me. Uh, all the radio shows and TV I was doing just continued on, even though I wasn't the Money Magazine guy anymore. And I just was able to do a lot more. And so the business model I've got, which might be helpful to some of your listeners, yeah. is the affiliate model. Is uh, you get high quality affiliates uh, that you can bring them customers. They get business they wouldn't get otherwise. And you get a little something in between. And I'm totally proud about doing that. I vet people extremely carefully. And the things today we'll talk about are affiliates. And I give ideas that people that wouldn't know about otherwise. So the customer gets something. The affiliate gets something, I get something, it's win, win, win all the way around. So that's kind of the model that I've come with as a way to monetize what I think is helpful financial advice. Right, which is your thought your thought platform, right? Your, your thought leadership platform. So um, awesome to, to give, thank you for giving us that little insight a little bit. But let's, now let's go from, let's get into the nuts and bolts, but let's start with a 30,000 foot look at the American way in which we all view money, or we're all taught to view money. And maybe let's start there, and then we'll dive deep into what you have in terms of the little tools and tricks and tidbits that you advise people in terms of how to be more financially stable uh, and hopefully to achieve financial freedom. Prosperous. Prosperous, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not survival, but prosperity, yes. Yeah, right. I mean, the the big view is that money, uh, money itself is neutral. Right. But what you do for it and what it does to you can be very positive or negative. I always talk about positive versus negative compounding, for example. Positive compounding is where the money you have is producing more money and growing your net worth, um, in, in some cases, passively. Negative compounding is where you owe money and you pay the minimum on your credit card and then you're owing more and more, you're digging yourself deeper and deeper into a hole. What a difference in your lifestyle between positive and negative compounding. Okay, right. A lot of people don't really understand that, and they don't understand the positive compounding. You know, Einstein called compounding the eighth wonder of the world. Right. 
And they certainly understand negative compounding. If they've got credit cards and they're paying the minimum on them, particularly tell you a lot, today, a lot of people have student loan debt, just piling them under. It's changed their lifestyle for the worse. They've taken on the average person has 39,000 student loan debt. Wow. And in America, and uh, many people way more than that. And it completely restricts their lifestyle. They can't buy a car, even rent an apartment, you know, get on with their life because they're working down the student loan debt for 10 years or something. So that's the big thing I look at is, is debt and how you can, the, the book I did is called Master Your Debt. And I like people to be a master of their debt as opposed to being a victim of their debt. So that's kind of the positive negative compounding uh, paradigm. Right. And you, you bring up a good point because not all debt is bad, right? So let's talk a little bit about how to master good debt and, and, and define really defining the difference between what is bad debt. And you, you, you obviously mentioned credit cards, um, but other things like you know living outside your means and all that sort of stuff versus what is actually good debt that helps put money in your pocket or creates a, an asset rather than a liability. So good debt is where there's a positive arbitrage, where you're paying less than you can be earning on the same money. And I'm going to combine two of my strategies here to kind of tell you how this might work. So right. on the, the debt side, if you get a home equity line of credit, what's called a HELOC, H-E-L-O-C, which is a liquid line second against your house, typically it's at the prime rate, even sometimes even a little bit less than prime rate. So the prime rate today is five. So, you know, five, a little bit less than that. So if you can borrow at five and earn eight, for example, and I'll tell you how to do that, you're, that's good debt. I mean, right. you're, you're funding a higher rate of return on something like that. So on the HELOC side, there's a strategy that I like to talk about, which is called mortgage equity optimization, which you can use either for your primary residence, or you can perfectly use it for rental properties and, and commercial properties as well. Um, and basically what that does is it allows you to pay off a 30-year mortgage in about five to seven years on your existing level of income which people are blown away as possible, but that's the way it works. Actually, this is big in Australia, where you're from. Right, uh, right. But it's, it's almost unknown in America. It's, it's becoming more known, but people, you go to a bank and say, I'd like to do optimization. They have no idea what you're talking about, and they don't want to know what you're talking about because they're happy. The current system works really, really well for the banks. You, bit, you give them your money for free. You put it in a checking or savings account and earn nothing, and then you pay them 5% interest for 30 years. What's to lose for the bank's point of view? They're happy, right? But it doesn't work for you. Your money is working for the bank, not you. So when you use a HELOC, a home equity line of credit is what's called average daily balance. How much do you owe today? So every do dollar that you put into that thing is pushing the balance down, and you're making progress on a principal every day instead of making very little progress once a month, basically, on a traditional mortgage. So you combine the HELOC with the first what they call the blended strategy, and you're making a lot of progress. Well, let me just give a simple example read yep. of how this would work, okay? Yep. Say you have a house worth 300000 and say you have a mortgage for 200000 the first mortgage, you have a good rate, 4%, something like that. Right. You would go and get a HELOC for, say, 50000 okay? You just opened it, so it's not been used yet. You write a $50,000 check on the HELOC towards the first. So instead of owing two hundred, you now owe 150 on the first, 50 on the HELOC. Then keep your income piling into that HELOC all year. Uh, dividends, interest, paychecks, whatever's going in there, pushing the balance down every day. You pay your bills out of the HELOC as well. Hmm. But every day you're making progress. <clears throat> and after, say, nine months, a year, whatever it may be, say it's a year, 
you pay that $50,000 HELOC off, okay? You then do it again. You write another $50,000 check on the HELOC towards the first. So instead of 150, you now owe 100. The next year you pay it off. You do it twice more. So after four years, you pay off your first and then you pay off the HELOC and you're debt free in five, six years, something like that. Interesting, interesting. Now, there are three things you need to make this work. First thing, you gotta have equity in your house. Right. If underwater in your house, there's nothing to borrow against. <laughs> Second thing, you gotta have a decent credit score, I'd say 680 or higher to qualify for the HELOC. And the third thing, positive cash flow. You need more money coming in during the month and going out because that positive cash flow is what's constantly pushing that principal down. But I bet the vast majority of your listeners have those three things. And they literally, I've just saved them 25 years off their mortgage and tens of thousands of dollars on their primary residence, but also rental property. So your the money coming in from rents from your tenants is going to a HELOC and you're gonna make those properties free and clear much, much faster than the traditional system. Right. So that's a good way of using the HELOC. And there's a free website that can help you model it for your own situation which is called truthinequity.com. It's one of my affiliates, and they've helped thousands of people implement the strategy. I just gave it to you in a very oversimplified way, but you, you go in there, truthinequity.com, fill in what's called a personal profile. You put in your income, your expenses, your mortgage, your home, all these things, and say, okay, based on what you're doing today, it's gonna take you 28 and a half years to pay off your mortgage, with the numbers you just gave us, it's gonna be 5.6 years, whatever it may be, and then step-by-step, step, they show you how to do it. That has literally saved people tens of thousands of dollars in needless interest and given them 25 or so years fewer to pay on their mortgage. That's so interesting. It's a very interesting topic. So just to recap, you've got to have equity in your property and that equity gets a HELOC loan and that you, you do the first part of that, that, that HELOC loan will, will pay off the first mortgage. And then you keep using that HELOC as a sort of operating account with income, expenses. Right. Uh, but you want to then over the next 12 to 18 months, essentially pay off that HELOC loan with either income from your, your job or Anything. other- Dividends, uh, rental income, whatever. Rental income, whatever it might be. And then you pay that into, again, to build up the nest egg, of another 50K. We just use that for, for, for example. Right. And then you pay it off again in another chunk and then you, you, you build it up again. I guess the, the thing with that is, because most people will be listening thinking, God, that sounds bloody brilliant. But you then have to have a lot of that income coming in from either other resources already or you have a very high paying job because your your uh, income versus expenses is, is, is outweighed, right? You've got to have positive cash flow, as I said. If you're right. a negative cash flow or even cash flow, it's not going to work because you're coming in and out the same amount every month. But right. the more positive cash flow you have, the faster it gets paid off. <laughs> if you have less positive cash flow, it might take you eight years instead of five years. But the point is your money is working for you every day by pushing that balance down instead of normally sitting in the checking account earning nothing for yourself while the bank is taking your money and lending it to you at 5% on a mortgage and 15% on a credit card or whatever it may be. So right. that's no, the kind of conceptual difference is your money is actually working for you, which the bank will never want to tell you about. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a fantastic idea. Um, talk to me about then creating that, you know, the, the, the cash flow streams, because obviously someone has to, 
if I've got some money laying around to go out and just do a HELOC? That's just one strategy. What are some other strategies that you advise people out there in order to become more financially independent and become less reliant upon banks and credit cards and, and that, that sort of negatively gearing debt that you talked about earlier? So we just talked about the debt side. Let's talk about the asset side. Right. So on the asset side of a bank, you put your money in a savings account, a CD, a money market fund, and what you're going to get, zero, right? <laughs> and the bank is real happy about that. Their interest rates have gone up several times. The Federal Reserve has raised rates, short-term rates, several times. But banks have not been passing it on in what they pay on deposits. If they can get away with it, people sit there like a lump. Okay, they'll just let them sit there like a lump and pay them nothing. People don't seem to object whatsoever. So you got to do something different to get a higher rate of return. And this is the other side of the arbitrage we talked about. So something that I'm involved in that I think could help a lot of people, which is a passive way of earning income from real estate, which is called a secured real estate fund. And the website for that is securedrealestatefunds.com. Now this is a relatively new concept, which is called a regulation A plus fund, or what's commonly called a crowdfunding fund. Now, in 2012, Congress passed what's called the Jobs Act of 2012, which authorized crowdfunding. It took the SEC a while to figure out how to do it, but starting in 2016, they started approving this, and this was one of the first funds out there. So basically, they allow the average individual for a minimum of $5,000 with no commissions of any kind to earn 8% of their money annually with monthly checks, which you can either take automatically in your checking account or reinvest if you want to be compounding it. You can do it inside an IRA. You can do it outside an IRA. But say you do it outside an IRA and your, your money is now earning 8%, you're getting monthly checks, and you're paying, say, 5% on your HELOC. So that's a positive arbitrage where you're making money. It's right. a good use of borrowed money because you're earning now. If you borrow at 5% and you put in a savings account earning zero, you were, you were losing. That's not a good arbitrage. <laughs> But if you're earning eight and paying five, that's a positive arbitrage. Right. So this fund lends money short term, like over a year or so, to high quality commercial projects all over the country, about 30 at, the, at any particular time. They're diversified geographically all over the place, and they're diversified by type. So they do apartment buildings, medical offices, uh, shopping centers, uh, single family home construction, assisted living, student housing, just all kinds of different things. And the people who've been running that fund have been doing it for about 30 years and have a long-term track record of doing it successfully. The price of the shares does not change. It stays at $10 a share net asset value. So it's not affected by the stock market, the bond market. The price of the shares is the same. It's an income vehicle, which again, you can take or reinvest as you like. Um, so that to me is a positive arbitrage. You're earning eight, you're paying five, and you're, you're without having completely passive, you don't have to learn about real estate, you don't have to flip houses, you don't have to clean things up, let them do it for you. And there's a way of, those are two ways combined to do much better in real estate. Now, a handful of questions on, on that, because that's very interesting. And that's a great way. We talk a lot about real estate on here. We're very familiar on this show about, you know, the Jobs Act and crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. So is that is that money that you invest into that fund, is that act as debt or equity for these third-party projects? Well, it's debt. I mean, the, the third-party projects are borrowing the money. Right. At 8%. In first lien positions. Well, probably more like 10%, actually. Okay, okay. Um, the 8% is considered a preferred return to the investors. 
Right. Yep. The, the fund management makes their money is by charging a little bit more than the 8%. So maybe they're sure. charging 10. They might have some points up front as well, two or three points. So that's the way they're making their money. But they're making their money off the return on the funds as opposed to commissions uh, or asset management fees from the investors. They make it from the, you know, the borrowing side, not the lending side. If you know what I mean. Yeah, it makes makes sense. From a overall tax strategy point of view, do you see that being because you're in a first position and you're acting as debt, the investor doesn't then get to necessarily realize the true eight percent with taxes and stuff like that because you can't well, then you can't then de you know, depreciate your your hard asset against. Uh, That's the, correct. I mean, income. the eight percent is income to you in the year you're doing. You're, you're in a right. debt position. You are not owning property. Now, there's one little extra thing that'll help you though. You get a profit sharing distribution. Okay. So when the building is sold that they're lending to, uh, they kind of do a shared equity deal, and um, whatever the profit is, some of that is given to the fund and shared eighty percent with the investor, twenty percent with the management team. So, for example, last year, the full year of 2017, the actual return of the fund was 8.7, 8% from interest, 0.7 from profit sharing. And over time, as I do more projects and more projects come to fruition, there'll be more profit sharing, another half to 1% on top of the 8% is kind of what to expect there. So you get a little bit of an equity kicker as well. But if you, if you have too much of an equity kicker, it's, a, it's an equity fund. This is a debt fund where they're really trying to keep that net asset value pretty much unchanged at $10 a share. Got it. Now, this is very interesting. So you've got your HELOC strategy. You've got your then a strategy for investing to create positive cash flow to then offset the HELOC. Any other strategies you have in that tool belt of yours that you could bestow sure. upon our, our listeners? So there's another kind of fund that gives you income and appreciation. It's the same kind of fund. Uh, this particular one that I know of is in the suburbs of New York, not Manhattan, but Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island, places like that, which are not as well known and so on. But there's some fantastic deals, tremendous demand in those places because Manhattan's so expensive that a lot of people want to move to Brooklyn and Queens and Long Island and so on. And these people have been doing it for a very, very long time. Now, it's, it's my name, but it's not me. Okay, It's just coincidence. It's called Goodman Capital. Okay. Uh, and the website for that is GoodmanCapitalLLC.com. They've also got a phone number, 516-247-6012. They pay a 10% yield and have had capital appreciation of about 17 to 20%. And they're kind of opportunistically going in, buying buildings, sometimes taking debt positions. Sometimes somebody's got to be foreclosed upon. They come in and save them. They buy buildings cheap one way or the other, sometimes renovate them and fix them up, sometimes commercial buildings, apartment buildings, and they've just been doing this for a long time. So there's, again, another passive way for the average person to get, they're paying out 10% income on an annual basis, plus some capital appreciation over two or three years. People have done very well. Fantastic. And that, that's only purely based in the New York tri-boroughs, tri, tri right? They, they know those areas extremely well. That's correct. They're, they're on Long Island themselves. Um, and they find out every every deal I do has some incredible story behind just how they found out about it. But, you, you know. As they say, you make money when you buy, not when you sell. So um, it's, it's, it's fantastic stuff. So we've got the HELOC, we've got the debt fund. And I assume the Goodman Capital is also a debt fund as well? Well, it's more of an equity. I mean, a little bit. But they're, they're lending, but they're also t 
buying out buildings. It's got more it. of a combination. They have the upside because they've got an equity position in these things. And then they'll, they'll fix up a building and then they'll sell it. And so they're going to make an appreciation as well as income from it. Fantastic. What other advice do you have for the average person out there in terms of they're just getting started, all this HELOC and equity and debt, and it's all very overwhelming, and I've got credit cards and student loans. Where's the best place to get started right, an actual step to get started right today? Maybe pick, read one of your books or checking out one of your websites. Where, 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 what would you recommend? Well, I mean, my website, moneyanswers.com, has all kinds of good resources on it. The main thing is to get into good habits. You get the habits, as we talked about, positive compounding. Have set up an automatic investment account. Certainly, if you have a 401k or something at work, invest in that to the max if you're getting matched. One of my basic principles of personal finance, I hope you would agree with Reed, is never refuse free money if it's given to you. But I mean, only about 70% of the people offered 401ks with matches take them up on it. 30% wow. are losing free money because they said they can't afford to invest. I say you can't afford to give up the free money, right? But that's the reality of it. Um, so, and there's other forms of free money uh, out there. For example, there are companies that offer uh, 5% free money when you reinvest dividends. There are other sources of free money out there as well. So the right habits is where your money is automatically growing for you. And the wrong habits is where you're going into debt, you don't have a budget, you don't take, you don't care about money, you don't really deal with it. One of the books I did is called Master Your Money Type, where I talk about people's financial personalities. And one of the personalities in there is the ostrich. Now from Australia, you'd know this very well. I mean, they just don't, the care emu in Australia, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> Same idea, right? They just, their head's somewhere else, you know, right. but it's not into money. So I would say the more time and effort you put into it, the better return you're going to get. A lot of people don't put much time or effort into money. They're making money for somebody else. They're working very hard at their jobs, and somebody's making money off of them, but not themselves, okay? Right. Uh, also, I would say get equity if you possibly can. Um, if, if you want a multiplier of yourself. You only have so many hours in the day you can work. But if you can get a multiplier where you are profiting from other people's efforts, that's where you can really do well. Mark Zuckerberg had a great idea, but if he was still in his Harvard dorm room, he would not be a multi-billionaire today. Right. He's profiting from all of the other contributions that worked to build you know, what he's got today. Right. Um, and you're specifically talking about in, investors investing into his idea and his businesses, and or, or, or investing into directly into um, into vehicles like um, Goodman Capital, or, or directly into a, a syndication fund, uh, which is yeah, what, I, mean, what I do. Passive ways doing, but I'm saying if if you can get leverage equity in some kind of a business, it doesn't yeah. have to go public. That's where you can really multiply your money a lot, and real estate's a great way to do that. I mean, you can buy a rental property, the cash flow from that, you pay it off, and then you buy another rental property, and you kind of build a whole empire that way with pretty much passive income. That's a good way to kind of build equity over time, which a lot of people do successfully as long as you know what you're doing. Because a lot of people, that's kind of the entrepreneurial mentality as opposed to I'm working for a paycheck, and that's all I get. I, I, it's a trade of my time and effort for you know, pay. You're making no someone else leverage. rich and by, by, by working for them, right? Right. There's no leverage. I mean, maybe if you get stock in the company or something. I'll give you a personal example. My sure. son 
works for Airbnb in okay. San Francisco. Okay, he started there three years ago. He's 28 now. He's getting private stock, what are called restricted stock units in Airbnb. That's going to be worth 10 times his salary, okay? Because Airbnb is going to go public eventually. Right. And getting private stock and getting equity in this enterprise he's part of, tremendous leverage in something like that, a company that's growing really fast. And, and, and not only just the tremendous leverage, but the fact that now your son as an employee is really, really motivated to, to stay Correct. and keep his job, right? <laughs> Correct. So you imagine the private employees at Google before it went public or Facebook or Salesforce or any of these companies, when it goes public, you know, they become Google millionaires and so on. They got equity that became worth a lot. Do you then advise if someone's working, listening to this show out there, working obviously a day job and they get an opportunity to invest in the company where they work, is that an advisable thing to do? If you believe in the company, yes. Yep. <laughs> you know, if it's a company going down, no. But if you believe in the company, uh, yes. And even better if it's private and not may go public someday. That's where you get that real pop right? where that equity kind of pays off. So, I mean, people are working really, really hard at Airbnb. He has all kinds of hours. But as you're... Part of his motivation is all this private stock he's building up. And, and he, they tell him what the value of it is at the current private market value. You know when it goes public, it's going to be worth a lot more than that. 100%. That really does motivate people. 100%. So, but I think a lot of people, don't, that's kind of an ownership mentality as opposed to being an employee mentality. Right. And by owning equity, that's where you can really do well in the long run. And we talked about real estate equity and equity ownership of businesses. Of businesses, you you briefly touched on the the mastering that your money type. You spoke about an ostrich. How many other different types are there when it comes to money? Total of six. I'll just go through them briefly. Sure. We talked about the ostrich. There's the squirrel, which are very uh, fear based. People are holding on really tightly, um, always worried about the next thing. They can't spend their money because they're just like constantly worried all the time. There are what I call the coasters that people, things are kind of going along okay, doesn't seem like there's any problems, until they hit what I call financial brick walls. Oh, the kid just turned 17, I guess we should start saving for college. <laughs> oh, we just hit 62, maybe we should start saving for retirement now. Everything's been fine until they kind of get woken up suddenly, that's the right. coast. Uh, then you've got the uh, debt desperados, those are the people who are, we talked about negative compounding. They're the ones who think to, the way to get out of debt is to go into more debt because this time it's going to work out. Those are the people who go to the ATM machines in a casino because this time they're going to win on red or something, right? <laughs> debt desperados. Then I've got high rollers, people that are willing to take lots of risks, being too optimistic. Nothing could ever go wrong. They don't believe in safety nets. Uh, there's some people in the real estate market who are high rollers. Uh, <laughs> Then there are strivers. Strivers are more kind of conservative, but still entrepreneurial, kind of making things happen kind of people. So those are my six money types. And it's, and it's not as though you're only one, but you're probably predominantly one or the other. You might have a taste of some of the other ones. And then when you're dating somebody, you're going to marry somebody, know what their money type is. It's okay if it's different. Sometimes it's actually good to have a balance, but these make for very interesting conversations as to which money type you are and you know, you get a high roller together with a squirrel, there's going to be a lot of kind of conflict about spending money all the time. Well, I'd love that first date. So what type of money person are you? Are you a squirrel or you're a high roller? I'm sure it goes over really well as a first Maybe date sort of question. Maybe not the first date. Maybe the second <laughs> date. You know. But you want to get to it sooner rather than later. I love it. I love it. So squirrel, ostrich, coaster, 
uh, Debt Desperado, High Roller, and Strivers. Strivers. I think that's that is that is that is brilliant. And if someone was wanting to get their hands on a copy of that book, where would they go to? Uh, moneyanswers.com, my website. I've got a bookstore right there, and they're, they're right there. Fantastic. Help with a lot of people. Jordan, you've provided some incredible insight into today's show. Um, I want to just end the show by if you want to give us your top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Absolutely. What is the number one thing that you do every day to keep on track towards your goals? I'm watching the markets. I'm very much involved. I, I have a variety of different things. I do some options things. I do some cryptocurrency things. I do some real estate things. I follow the gold market. I'm, I'm just soaking it all up in all kinds of different ways. And I'm doing radio and TV shows and hearing what people are saying all the time. So I'm you totally- You keep your finger on the pulse, right? I'll keep my pulse correct. <laughs> what, any, what daily habit do you practice to keep on track? Are you doing anything from a visualization point of view to keep focused towards being successful and keeping striving forward towards all your goals? I write lists of what I should be doing that day and prioritize things because there's always going to be uh, calls on your time that you might not, you know, you can waste your time and you can be productive with your time. I try to be as productive with the time as I, I possibly can. Although, I, I mean, I answer people's emails and maybe that's not the most productive thing, but I'd love to help. I would say also having a spirit of giving makes a big difference. Yep, 100%. And giving without the expectation of getting something in return. Right. This is what I like to call dolphin strategy instead of shark strategy. Dolphins work in pods to help each other, and they just give without expecting to be anything in return. Sharks are out for themselves. So I try to be a dolphin and just give, and somehow it all comes back and creates good karma. I'm not sure if it's the right, but that's just the way I've always done it from early on. And, and there is a lot of good karma out there because this is the way I come up with affiliates, People ask me, it all kind of works together. So yep. that's yep. been my strategy. No, I think it's a great strategy. And I love, I love the analogy with the dolphin versus shark. I think you have to be, as an entrepreneur, as a successful entrepreneur, being that willingness and in, in, in the early part of the show, you were just, you know, 1983 was the first book. You were already giving so much information and value to customers and people. You know, you, you're giving that give and not expecting any expecting anything in return. So I think that's uh, it does come to back you. to you anyway. It, it, right. In unexpected ways. Right. No, hundred percent. And and look, you've been going at it for, for many, many years, forty years. So so I, I could imagine it's come back to you twentyfold, a hundredfold uh, over the years. So so well done. Mate, who's been the most influential person in your career to date? Well, there's a guy named T. Harv Ecker. Do you know who that is? He's a, I've uh, heard of him. He's, he's got a book out called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And uh, he has a whole series of courses, which I took, called The Quantum Leap. Uh, it took about three years to get through the whole thing. But I think that was very influential. Um, part of it was called uh, Enlightened Warrior Training, uh, where you basically... No matter what it takes, you just keep going through and get it done. Um, and he had something called Enlightened Wizard Training. It's about being open to what the world shows up with. A lot of people have opportunities that show up and they're not open to receiving them. Or So all kinds of strange things come up all the time. And I'm just open to what shows up. So that's kind of my Enlightened Wizard Training, I guess you might say. So T. Harbecker has definitely been a, a very influential person. He's kind of a another version of Tony Robbins, I guess you might say. Right, right. I, I love what, I'm just going to pick on one thing you said. I interviewed someone the other day, or I was being interviewed or something, and they said, 
what do you want to be in 10 years? And I thought that's such an old way of thinking. I, you know, the way I think about something right now is I'm going to work as hard as I can and open as many doors as possible in the next two years, see what happens and walk through those doors and not have this, I need to be here by this time and that by that time. I think it's a different way of being. The podcast does. The podcast opens doors to you that you wouldn't have otherwise. 100%. And, and, I, and I'm sure with all the stuff that you've done in your sort of thought leadership and your, your books and stuff like that, I'm sure back in 1983 when you first launched your first one, you got, I don't know if anyone's going to read this, but looking back on it, you, you've created such an asset for yourself in terms of giving that, again, you opened a door, walked through it, and all, here you are today. So, so well done. I do a podcast too called Money Answer Show, which is on what's called the Voice American Business Network. I've been doing it since 2007. And it's been like 700 episodes by now. Wow. I've met all kinds of people that way. Right. Wouldn't have happened otherwise. So right. love, it. Yeah. love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Open to what the world shows up with. <laughs> I, like, I love that. I, what, what, be open to what the world shows up with. I love it. Uh, who, being in the technology and the, the digital asset business, what is the number one tool, either hardware or software that you use to keep your business on track? Wow. Well, I mean, I use Outlook uh, to keep track and I keep meticulous notes on everything in Outlook. Maybe right. it's old school the way I do it. But somebody I talked to, you know, when it was, when I did a radio show, who referred me, uh, what it was about, because I can't remember all these things. I, I mean, my contacts, I've got, I don't know, 15,000 of there. I don't know what is in there. But I, I keep meticulous notes of all these different things. So if I go back, oh yeah, I remember, you know, doing that. And, and the other thing that runs my business is what do people need? Creating, find, finding what the needs are first and then finding a solution for them. So, I mean, some of the things we've talked about, the HELOC strategy, people want to pay their mortgages off faster. They don't know how to do it. I was doing a show in Kansas City, like in 2006, I guess it was, and the person listened to me was the guy from this truth and equity we talked about. And he called me up and said, I've got this strategy to pay people's mortgages off in five years instead of, that sounds crazy, but I, okay, I'll listen to it. Tell me about it. And it took a while, but I kind of got it. And I've given them over 50,000 leads in the last wow. 12 years or something and transformed thousands of people's lives. That's fantastic. And I was just open you know, to that. So that's an example of the secured real estate fund. People have their money sitting in a CD and money market for earning zero. The need is to earn a decent yield without taking a lot of principal risk. Right. So you see the need first and then what fulfills that particular need. That's awesome. But, but, but Outlook and, and keeping meticulous notes are the number one business tool, right? Yeah. And, and, and being obviously very forthcoming with your giving and education and what goes around comes around sort of mindset. I think that's, Correct. that's, that's been incredible. <clears throat> with all the success you've had, it's easy to talk about success, but what's been the biggest failure in your career to date and what did you learn from that failure? Everybody's going to have failures. And I'll, give you, I'll give you my biggest one. Okay, so this is going back to 1992. Uh, I was at Money Magazine at the time. Uh, I was doing a radio show every week for about 10 years with a guy named Sonny Block, B-L-O-C-H. He was a big national radio host. He had about 300 stations for three hours a day. He, he was the Rick Edelman of his day, or you know, right. um, Dave Ramsey of his day, basically. And I'd been on Alan Greenspan, and every big guy was on Sonny's show. So I got to know him really quite well. He had done seven books before. He never wrote a word of them, but he kind of co-authored with people. He would promote it, and they would write it. So I wrote a book called Everyone's Money Book, 
with Sonny. Again, I wrote 100% of it, but both of us appeared on the cover of the thing. It came out in 1992. And uh, soon thereafter, uh, he started promoting some things that weren't exactly right. To make a very long story short, he got uh, taken down by the SEC wow. for selling um, unregistered securities in radio stations. He bought some radio stations, was selling them in pieces to his radio audience. And that was a security that he was selling in an unlicensed way. Anyway, there's all kinds of drama to the story. He went up to the Dominican Republic. He, he um, divorced his wife of many years and married this Dominican printing baroness and was by her big estate. And he was doing his radio show from there and saying, you can't get me. And it turns out there was an extradition treaty and they went and got him, the FBI. He ends up in jail all over the New York tabloids, you know, Sonny put in jail, this, this uh, financial advice guy being put away for SEC violations. I didn't do any of this stuff, but I, here I was a picture of me and him on the cover of my book. Okay. Right, right. That was not good. And I'm right. at Money Magazine at the time. This is like, they weren't happy with it either. So uh, I figured out a way to get a note to him in prison, which is not easy. You have to kind of do the right. But anyway, he signed off and said, yeah, okay, do a version of the book with taking my name and picture off of it. So we immediately got those out and came out with a version of me on it only. But it was an embarrassment. And even though I didn't do anything wrong, it was a low point in my career to have something like that, which I had no control over, kind of blow up like that. So, there, so what's, there what, what's the lesson? The lesson is, if you feel things are going wrong, cut bait. Okay, right. Don't wait to have it blow up. I, I went to some of his seminars and it was just making me feel a little bit nervous. He was selling all kinds of weird Russian prints and just stuff that didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. I said to him at one point, you don't have to do this. He had a multi-million dollar brownstone on East 63rd Street, a wife, two sons. He had it all, but he always wanted more. Right. And it got him in trouble. And I said, you don't need this. Don't do it. And he did it anyway. So judge people's personalities and characters, do the best you can. And when things go sideways, get out of there before it collapses. Like <laughs> it's hard to foresee something like that going awry, but I'm, I'm sure a yeah, lot of lessons. I for 10 years. I was yeah. not as though I just jumped into bed with them immediately. I'd right. Extremely well-known and reputable for many, many years on the top stations around the country. So. Right. Right, but right, right. things went wrong. So things there it went is. went wrong. Well, well, mate, you live to fight another day, and I'm glad you, you've come on the show today with me. Mate, just to, to, to you know, top it all off, someone wants to – we've already talked a little bit about where to go, moneyanswers.com, but if they ever want to reach out to you personally, what's an email, what's a phone number they can, uh, they can reach out to you to continue the conversation? Go to moneyanswers.com. We've actually created a separate landing page for your podcast particularly. Great. You can actually get some free stuff and sign up for my newsletter, monthly free newsletter. And that uh, website is go.moneyanswers.com front slash investing US. So they should go there, see the good stuff I have there, sign up for my newsletter, become part of my Money Answers community and ask me questions and kind of become part of my ecosphere, I guess you might say. Go.moneyanswers.com forward slash investing US, right? Invest US. Invest investing, investing US. Investing correct. US. Fantastic. 
Well, Jordan, I just want to thank you so much for dropping by. Just to quickly summarize some of the big things I took away from today's show. I think obviously some great, fantastic strategies, the HELOC strategy, uh, un- un- unlocking equity in your business, oh, in your business, in your, in, your, in your home in order to pay down your mortgage in five to seven years. You have right. a book on it. I think you've got a book coming out about it, um, right. which people should definitely get their hands on. Uh, also talking about how to then invest in a cash flow positive way, either through a couple, either through a debt side or an equity side with an operator or a more of a lender uh, in order to get a, a higher return than compared to what the HELOC interest rate is. Um, but also- arbitrage, right. Yes. Right, right. Uh, but also some other cool things, you know, just learning a little bit about the different um, types of investors that you have, you know, the squirrel investor, the high roller, uh, the six different type money types that you are and, and, and really understanding what your money type is in order to then either fix it if it's an issue or be more aware of the problem. And I think you said earlier in the piece that, you know, the biggest advice is to really be educated and, and, and start being smart with your money and not just walking around with life with blinkers on. Otherwise, you're going to end up like one of those coasters you're talking about and getting to 65 and think, oh, crap, I need to start retiring. <laughs> and what I say about the, the type, money types is it's not a bad thing to be any of these. Just realize what you are and be the best you can be within that money type. Be the best squirrel you can be. If you're a squirrel, you don't have to become a high roller. Just you're a squirrel. Accept it. But be the best squirrel you can be, I guess you might say. That's fantastic. Well, mate, I want to thank you so much for dropping by. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much, Reed. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible investing advice and actionable tips. Make sure you go out and check out Jordan's website uh, at moneyanswers.com. I want to thank you all for tuning in to continue for your, growing your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show. And we're going to do it all again next week. So take care, be safe. And remember, happy investing. Happy investing.